Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Better off. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 95 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-host, Linda Serovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Kellyanne Healy. Hello, Kellyanne. Hello, Allison. Hello, Linda. Hello. Hello. Hello, folks. So it's been a while since we discussed the Mets at length on this podcast. Um, in fact, the last time we discussed the Mets, it was during the All-Star break. Um, so they have now had a fair number of games in the second half, um, and we are now living in this like liminal space between the start of the second half and the trading deadline um, as we record this on July 27th. Um, and the Mets have Jared Eikhoff on the mound as we podcast, and the Mets are losing big to the Braves once again. Uh, so here we are on that front. That's not ideal. Um, but yeah, the second half so far has been a bit of a roller coaster for the Mets, I guess you could say. Um, you know, they came out of the break. They they ended the first half on a relatively sour note because they were they had the game in hand against the last place Pirates, and they ended up losing that game. And then they started the second half playing the same Pirates team. And then they lost the first two games of that series, the second of which was in pretty br- backbreaking fashion, um, again, where they blew a lead. And so it was not my man's fault, though. Yes, it was not JD's fault. Um, <sighs> I'm so he made he I was going to say he made a nice return, especially and then, since Amy yelled then, at him that. Uh, Linda loves you because JT and Amy Mets Twitter um, big Mets Twitter people were at the game and Amy yelled Linda loves you and as soon as she yelled that he hit the home run he hit it for you he did hit it for you oh that was such a good day and it was my sister's birthday until it wasn't <laughs> until it wasn't your until it wasn't <laughs> <laughs> so until it wasn't your sister's birthday anymore so i mean, think it was still before midnight when they lost so it was oh, still yeah. a birthday <laughs> it was um 
So J.D. Davis's triumphant return from the injured list was unfortunately overshadowed by Wait, the Mets. Has he been doing well? I've been yes. in like... Oh, yes. Okay. He has like... I, I just did the meters, so I know this. He has like... I haven't a, had a chance to read it yet. He has like a 180 WRC plus in the second half. So Ooh. He's doing real good. Um, like, that's he, gorgeous. Because I was away, and then once the Olympics start, like, I'm like... Like, it gives me a break from the Mets for two weeks. So I have not seen hide nor hair of the Mets since like the second half has started. So <laughs> well, I legit do not know how JD Davis is doing. <laughs> you have missed some bad times and some good times, as is a typical. Oh, wait, Mets no, I saw that times, Bad times. The, the, the Reds the, game. Yes. Is yeah. The one where yeah the Pilar game. The Pilar Homer. Yeah. Yeah. So, that that's the only game I I'm like why am I staying up for this? I'm an idiot. But <laughs> I know. I know. I felt the same way, but I'm kind of glad I did because it was kind of legendary. And so like yeah, the Mets lost two backbreaking games in a row to the Pirates. The second one was particularly bad, and then um because they walked them off, and then um on a they, Grand Slam, wasn't it? Yeah, the the yes. Stallings Grand Slam that had right. an e- expected batting average of zero point forty. Um, so that was, you know, like point zero because of course, I should say. because of course, um, not to, that's not to excuse Edwin Diaz's performance, which was not good in that game and has been sort of up and down, very up and down since, uh, since the second half and since late June, really since the sticky stuff cracked down, we should say. Um, but that said, um, they managed to salvage the season, f- the season finale, the series finale. <laughs> <laughs> We're not, we haven't skipped Season's ahead. over, bye. Season's <laughs> over, bye, everyone. No, no, no. The series Thanks finale. Um, they managed to salvage the series finale because um, it was shaping up to be like pretty much the worst series of the year right out of the gate because they went they went down six nothing really early in in the uh, series finale of that pirate series because Taiwan Walker didn't make it out of the first inning and they had that horrible like foul ball that wasn't a foul ball that was like kicked across the field and all that good stuff. Uh, and by good, I mean bad. And so it was, it was really awful. In fact, I turned the game off, which I never do. So did I, I, I went to the pool. I never Oof. rage turn off games ever. I, I, I mean, I like, obviously there are games that I miss because I'm doing stuff. Like I'm not watching the game right now, thankfully, because I'm recording this podcast, but like, I never, when I'm like, you know, when I'm home and not doing anything else, I never rage turn off games. The only two games I have turned off this entire season out of rage were the 20 to two game uh, against the Braves, which is looking like a repeat performance of that tonight. Um, and that game, um, I rage turned it off in the middle of it. But I mean, it is 10 to three right now. So they're oh making boy. a slow Big comeback. comeback. Um, well, but I think Piazza they can do just it there not too long ago. Yes, yes, he was. He was. Bring that comeback against the Braves. Like, bring that magic with you, Mike. Yeah, never seriously. mind. I take it back. They just oh. scored another run. <laughs> I don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be up. Oh, nope. Homer 12 three. Never oh, cool. mind. Awesome. No, that's all of them. I'm hey. watching table tennis. Um, I can't see who exactly is playing, but um usa just won in beach volleyball very exciting that is great and now they've moved on to table tennis it's very exciting but (laughs) 
The Mets did manage that comeback against the Pirates. Um, Travis Blankenhorn, of all people, hit like a huge dinger. I like I turned the game off, but because I'm a sucker and a mark and just a complete <laughs> loser, I I went for a run out of like rage. I had planned on running like later in the day because it was an after it was a Sunday afternoon game. So I was going to go running like after the game was over. But instead, I rage quit the game and I went running. But because I'm a mark, I listened to it on the radio like an idiot. And but then they started coming back and Travis Blankenhorn hit a huge homer that I heard on the radio and like did a little jig while I was running. I was like, yay. Um, (laughs) And then like I came back from my run and Michael was like, we're turning the game back on, aren't we? And I was like, yeah, I think we gotta. And then they, they won that game. So that was fun. Michael Conforto hit a homer and hit a go ahead homer. And it was great. Um, And then because I walked in because I went to the pool and like I got an alert saying like Matt's complete comeback. And I was like, wait, what? And you were like, Linda, it happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It happened. It happened. I saw it with my eyes. It was bizarre. Um, so that kind of saved, that kind of saved that series from being like an all time backbreaking doom series. Um, but I mean, it still wasn't good. Um, they lost two out of three of the pirates, but then, you know, the, the rest well, of the week, more than that, they lost yeah. like four of seven, four of seven, pirates. yeah, four, four of seven, seven overall. Cause they lost, uh, when people were talking about how they needed to win like six of those games and really put some distance between themselves and the rest of the NL East. Cause the Mets, I mean, the Mets to their credit have been in first place for pretty much the whole season, but like they it's have a very tenuous first place. It's always a very tenuous lead, right? It's a three to, it's usually like a three to four game lead on average. And so they just like basically have not built the distance that they should be building during the weak parts of the schedule. So that's been really frustrating. Um, or against the division too. Or against yeah. the division, they have not performed like they should to bury these teams who are in theory inferior to them. Um, but, you know, later in the week, the things did pick up um, last week for the Mets. They um, took two out of three from the Reds and from the Blue Jays, two good baseball teams, um, two teams who are over 500, even though they aren't in first place in their respective divisions. Um, but the especially that was, you know, punctuated by the um, the 15 to 11 game that Linda referenced <laughs> earlier. That was like really insane. <laughs> Um, and Kevin Pillar hit a huge three-run homer. James McCann hit a game-tying pinch-hit homer. Um, no, I, and it, no, I thought they went ahead. Oh, that was a go-ahead homer. That's right. Because then it was Diaz like, gave up the tying run. Right, right. Because I think James <laughs> McCann made it like... Because they pitched a winker. Yeah, I think James McCann either made it like nine to eight or I think that's what it was. Yeah, I think yeah. it was like nine to eight at that point, and it ended up being fifteen to eleven. It was just extra innings, like, like ten innings or eleven innings. Eleven innings. Oh, um, that was when Banda had to like save. Yeah, and Banda <laughs> pitched. Banda. Anthony Banda pitched. It was just a. It was a wild time. It was a wild time, and it was it was fun though. It was a fun win. The Mets hit and a gajillion dongs in that game. Um, was it seven? A lot. It, it, it was close to their record. I know that, but it wasn't their record. I want to say it was seven. Yeah. Well, seven. That's also when we got introduced to Dave Jouse in the post game. Oh my God. I forgot oh my- about that. That, that He's happened adorable. This so just ridiculous. I mean, like, between, in a great way. between his pitching, his uh, bullpen performance in the, uh, in the home run derby and this post game and the post game pressers, he was doing context for those who don't remember, but Luis Rojas was suspended um 
because he argued that foul call, like that foul ball call in the Pirates series, the thing that like that happened when Taiwan Walker got knocked out of the first inning, the like foul ball that wasn't like Luis Rojas like completely lost his shit at the umpires and like com- like really Which is the first out. time you've like ever seen that m- intense emotion from him. He gets mm-hmm. mad, but like he was really I've that's the most heated him. I've ever seen him. That's yeah. the most heated I've ever seen him. Which and, makes like, me like wonder what if something else was said like that we don't know about. I mean, possibly, but also just the team was being, the team was playing terribly. So like, it was more just like a light the fire under their ass sort of thing. And he was just frustrated. So although I do, I went to hear an umpire go speak um, in Cooperstown and he had a story where like something happened and Lou Pinella went running out and the umpire was like, Lou, what do you do? And he goes, I need you to throw me out of the game because my team is playing like crap. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, like more or less. Um, yeah. But he so was furious. I have a feeling that might have played into it. Well, but he was furious I mean, and there were into it. But then he went and got sus- they suspended him for it. So he definitely said something like, yeah really nasty um i assume i am not privy to what was said but something was said because if something was not said he wouldn't be suspended for yes. a couple games um and there there's hilarious pictures of like you know him being held back and screaming like with an indignant face and it's art but it's artwork like rojas is so chill in the post games but then like but with the umpires he's incredibly feisty like he'll yes. argue balls and strikes he will um but then, so then you got by by contrast to uh, Luis Rojas's post game pressers, you have Jouse's post game pressers. <laughs> oh my god! Because uh, he served as the manager for a couple just of the days. Happiest man. <laughs> while Rojas was suspended, and he's just like the most hilarious, like happy man ever, and talked about how he has like twelve cups of coffee a day, or however many cups of coffee he has. That is and insane. was just so excited to like see everybody too and he was like oh yes. i'm so glad i didn't embarrass myself because i don't know how zoom works i haven't done one of these in forever me. hey everyone it was great it was great and even nito was like tweeting like because he became like a meme because he was like raising his hands and even nito like started tweeting the picture of him it's like very much and i think a few people tweeted side by sides of this but it looked very much like you it, like you guys know the elmo gif where like yes. elmo oh, is the like with, fire. The fire, yeah. with the raining fire like with his arms outstretched <laughs> like that is literally yes. what he looked like in the post game he's the <laughs> human version of that or the it's happening gift yeah or yes. the it's, it's happening. happening yeah like very similar <laughs> vibes um so yeah that so happened cute. Um, during the Red series and the Mets took two out of three in that series. And then over the weekend, they played the Blue Jays and um, comported themselves very well. Won two out of three of those games, Tyler McGill pitched a gem against, you know, one of the best offenses in baseball. And then like Pete Alonzo had been, has been on fire the entire second half so far. And he was responsible for basically all the offense in one of the games they won, they won three to nothing and Alonzo hit two dingers. And that was the debut of the home run horse. Um, after one of after his first home run, all of a sudden you just saw him walk over to this stuffed horse that was in the dugout and pet it. And then after his second homer, he like grabbed the horse and started like galloping and it, in the dugout. It was wild. And the horse is like has a mask on and it's like the whole thing. And then, of course, in the post game interview, they're like, he's just like, it's the home run horse as if it's the most obvious thing in the entire world. Just like Donnie Stevenson, like oh, it's Donnie. No Stevenson. explanation. It's our coach. No explanation needed. Yeah, he is such a goober. 
I love Pete. He's such a good hitter. <laughs> but yeah, he declared himself the best power hitter in the game during the home run derby, and he has gone out and done nothing but prove it in the second half. Home run derby, the- good for him. Good for his yeah, swing. The home run yes. derby fixed him. Not that he was doing like terribly before the home run derby, but the home run derby and Dave Jouse fixed him because oh, Dave the Dave Jouse spray chart for Pete Alonso's home run derby still fascinates me with how pinpoint accurate it was a thing of beauty hanging in the Louvre. Jealous is just like he's got good karma yeah he's got a very bombastic personality yeah Um, and it's wonderful so um the good things about the Mets right now um are that they're 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 finally starting to hit a little bit like as a team I mean I know that they still have games like like the double header they didn't yesterday they didn't score a lot of runs it was frustrating they won one of the games they didn't win the other one but they you know they get shut down fairly easily still by mediocre pitching on occasion but overall as a group the offense is starting to come around um the unfortunate part of that and they're and they're healthy now like JD Davis came back from the injured list but the unfortunate side of that is that they lost Francisco Lindor um to an oblique injury which really sucks um you know you can't ever be fully healthy apparently um so that really really sucks um they're gonna miss him a lot um but hopefully if well, the rest- even they said that was one of the issues with Diaz is Lindor would usually go out there and talk to him yeah I know, I know it's so sad because like Diaz has Edwin Diaz has been um not he hasn't been like outright bad, but he's been inconsistent um yes. since since late June or so. Um so that coincides with both Lindor's injury and the sticky stuff, which who knows what how much is contributing, uh how much each contributor is contributing to um, but there are still times when he looks unhittable, like yesterday. Like in the second game yesterday, he pitched a scoreless ninth and looked as nasty as I've ever seen him. So like I just I don't know what's going on with Diaz. Sometimes he looks great and sometimes he doesn't, and that's just how it is but um you know uh Francisco Lindor being out is a huge blow to the team but if the rest of the team continues to hit like they've hit in the second half so far they should be able to weather that but the problem is is that their pitching was never going to carry them forever and that's why they have to put on their big boy cleats and start hitting which they have done but you know DeGrom is still um sidelined will hopefully be back soon but we'll probably need a rehab start um Carrasco is in theory coming back on Friday, which is great, but you're not going to get length out of him, at least not initially um, in any fashion. And the team is, and the team literally basically lost a game on purpose today by starting Jared Eikhoff yet again in a game that matters against a division rival. This is not sustainable. They must, they must acquire more starting pitching. They must. And and saying, saying that, Oh, getting Carrasco back and getting Syndergaard back is kind of like doing getting pieces at the trade deadline no it's not that rhetoric is apologist and awful it's 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 awful just because they're coming off of injury their innings are going to be limited to start with you don't want to re-injure them just because um Syndergaard was dealing with uh, I forget the the elbow ligament issue that's normal for Tommy John but still you want to be on the safe side um and Carrasco just hasn't hasn't well, he's pitched. I shouldn't say that he was, he was ready um, in spring training. So, and then uh, his, it was his hamstring, right? I can't yeah. keep track of these yeah. injuries. He's really having a really bad, like hamstring, hamstring. So, and then he just hasn't been able to get the like 
strength back. I mean, they've been very vague about like why it's been taking so long and they refuse to call setbacks setbacks and that whole deal. But well, didn't he need like a injection or a PCP injection? Yeah, PRP injection. Yeah. PRP, yes. Yeah, PRP injection. Plasma, <laughs> uh, plasma rich. I forget what the second P is. It's plasma rich injection. Plasma platelets. 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 platelets I think it's pla- platelets. Um, yeah. So that's it. So he's, you know, it's been, it seems to be based on the vague like rhetoric coming from the Mets that it's like more about like a strengthening issue. Like, you know, the injury healed, but he's like not getting his strength back in his leg, um, which is a common thing in, in cancer survivors, which Cookie is a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. So um, they have a lot of problems with like atrophy because of the chemo. And like, I wonder if that plays a role. I mean, that's just pure speculation on my part, but I've said that on the podcast before. It's possible it's playing a role. I'm not going to say it is because I don't know. I'm not privy to his medical details. Um, but yeah, like it's, it. they did, the Mets did do something, which they acquired Rich Hill for basically free, like a low level prospect and, you know, um, salary offset in the form of um, Tommy Hunter, who is not pitching again this year. He threw out his back and he's on the 60 day hmm. IL, but oh, all right, um, I know Tommy Hunter. I know that sucks. I know that's he, really, he was one of the feel good stories of the first he half was. and like the fact that After- he, Threw out after his back. His first hit. It happened like very shortly after. It was the that. next day. It was literally the next day. Like he he was uh he did oh. a little jig on first base after he <laughs> got his first major league hit. Was fun as hell in the post game presser. And then like yes. I think he was waking up the next morning and like getting out of bed. He like threw his back out and he hasn't been. Can seen confirm since. that when you're 34 that can. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, Linda! Yeah. Don't tell me that. I'm two it's years all, away. It's Suddenly, all downhill, man suddenly backs broken um but yeah like that was essentially he's not he's not gonna probably not gonna pitch again this year and that was just you know he's making a certain amount of money and rich hill is making a certain amount of money and so it offsets the salaries um i mean i don't really understand the trade from a raise perspective because like i mean sure the rays have the rays are always blessed with an excess of pitching but if you're the rays like all they saved was like and I know the Rays have a, you know, a preponderance of like times where they've like just dumped salary basically because they're the Tampa Bay Rays. But like this was a six, like what ended up to be like a $600,000 salary savings in the end between them taking on Tommy Hunter's salary and offsetting Rich Hill's salary. They only saved like $600,000. So they got $600,000 and a like, nobody prospect from the Mets and I just don't get it like I don't know maybe the race something in the sky but as um what's his name would say Blake Snell would say a slapdick prospect slapdick prospect (laughs) um I mean obviously the oh my gosh obviously oh um, well it fits because it's Dick Mountain (laughs) Dick Mountain yes um obviously the from complex to queens guys know a lot more about um who the Mets traded than I do but like I've listened to their takes on this and like as far as as far as I know it seems like it's just really a nobody that the Mets traded in this deal so I don't know how this makes sense for the Rays but I'm grateful for it from a Mets perspective because Rich Hill although he is you know of a wily veteran and is you know of an age he can still give you like like five five and dive every fifth day which is what you need in a fifth starter and what the Mets are desperate for right now they just need big league pitchers who can pitch innings and that's what Rich Hill does um so they did that but 
they can't stop there. Um, I like we kind of alluded to the rhetoric of like, oh, like DeGrom and Syndergaard and Carrasco are all like deadline acquisitions. That's apologist and terrible. And I am so sick to death of like tweets like I don't want to I don't want to call like I don't, I'm not trying to like throw Tim Healy under the bus because he's not the only one who's like tweeted this stuff but he's the, he's just the guy whose tweet I saw and he's a beat writer so like when people who officially cover the team tweet this stuff it frustrates me he made a tweet like oh once Carrasco comes back on Friday the Mets will have five healthy starters if you trade for someone who will who will be booted from the rotation it's like and I've seen that same rhetoric about like if the Mets acquire Chris Bryant like what will happen to J.D. Davis it's like if you want to win the World Series the answer is who the hell cares Mm. who the hell cares especially especially I mean no but see here's the thing they can be be on the same team Chris Bryant can move around um, JD is a little more stationary at third base, but you can have both of them on the team. The answer is having more good players on your team is good. And Chris, yes. Chris Bryant does not preclude JD Davis from getting at bats. He might get less. No. He might get fewer at bats than he would get, but he's not going to get zero. It's not like JD Davis is permanently delegated to the bench because yeah. the Mets acquired Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant can play four positions competently corner outfields, third base and in center field in a pinch. If you need it, he can play all those places and he can play first base as well. So the Mets can shuffle it around when you've got a tough lefty on the mound, you can sit Conforto and then JD Davis plays and Chris Bryant plays at the same time, because Chris Bryant will play in the outfield. Like these, this is not hard. Like having more good players is good. The answer is that the Mets acquiring Chris Bryant does not come at the expense of JD Davis. It comes at the expense of Brandon Drury and the like, like that is the answer. That's who you you're yes. booting off the roster in this case and acquiring another starting pitcher. It's not, Oh, woe is me. Tyler McGill is going to be booted off the team or rich Hill is no. going to be booted off the team. These guys are not going to be booted off the team. They'll do a six man rotation or they'll put somebody in the bullpen. You know, who will be booted off the team, Anthony Banda. <laughs> Like that, more players, more good Anthony players is Banda. good. I know. I was going to say, I hope it's not Tyler McGill. I just got his shirt in the mail today. My, my t-shirt. No, Tyler Banda? McGill. Banda? <laughs> no, Tyler <laughs> McGill. Oh, like, oh sorry. Yes I, yes, I bought a Banda shirt. No, I bought a Tyler <laughs> McGill shirt. Incredible. That oh, that's incredible. Right? I'm like, what I want this. I want a t-shirt of um of Aaron Loop and Anthony Banda and the post game presser with their beers. That's what I that's the t-shirt I want. Um at um, breaking tea. Uh yeah, get on that. Get on that. Um, but anyway, my point being is like you're not booting Tyler McGill from the roster. If you acquire another pitcher, you're booting an inferior pitcher from the bullpen who probably shouldn't be in the major leagues. I God bless Anthony Banda for filling innings when the Mets need it, but like the point is for guys like that to not have to pitch. <laughs> it's not sustain. It's not sustainable, and like especially when the bullpen is taking on so many innings right now. And like I don't know how you can look at what happened in the first half to the Mets and think that oh we have five starting pitchers and that's enough. Like, are you serious? Even, I was gonna say, are you serious? We like, never had starting five pitchers weren't enough. We yeah. never had. I feel like we never had a solid five man rotation at any point during this season. Someone was always getting injured. Someone was always getting replaced, and it felt like 
it, th- there were just three. It was DeGrom, it was Walker, and it was Strowman. And the other two were kind of, woohoo, who's, who's on first? Well, no, who's on the mound? Excuse me. And let me tell you, I mean, like, I just did the meters. I know this for a fact. I know this without looking it up. The Mets used 27 different oh pitchers in the first half alone. 27. Oh, my God. With, and that's, that's not including that's not including Luis Guillorme and Albert Almora, who each pitched an <laughs> inning in the first half. So that's not including position players who pitched. The oh Mets God. use 27 different pitchers. And you are telling me that they don't they don't need to acquire pitching. Are you nuts? Like, I know that I know that Tim Healy is asking this question just like to ask it like he's not saying the Mets do not need like that is not what he tweeted. He just tweeted like, oh, who's being booted out. But the heavy implication there is that everything's fine with the Mets nothing to see here which is absolutely ludicrous (laughs) like I just and like again I'm harping on it because this is somebody who covers the team tweeting this if this is just like random fans having a banter about like oh do they actually need pitching yes or no like it wouldn't really I would disagree but it wouldn't really bug me it's the fact that the Mets are clearly towing a company line that they are preempting you know like justifying not doing anything at the trading deadline by parading Noah Syndergaard throwing off a mound in front of the media by, you know, having the beats tweet that they have five healthy starting pitchers by talking about like these guys, like deadline acquisitions, you know what they're setting up for here. And I, maybe this is Wilpon. I was just about to say, this feels so Wilpon. Maybe this is Wilpon brain poison and this is not how it's going to go actually. And I'm just seeing signs of like what the previous administration would do. It's all a red herring and they're going to make a big splash. Yeah. Maybe Maybe they will. And again, we've got time like it's July 27th, but you know, and the trading deadlines Friday 4pm. This is Tuesday night getting close, getting close. close. Maybe they'll do something, but I just all the signs are there of them being like, we didn't need to look, we got Rich Hill, Noah Syndergaard, like, and I just I, I will not buy that I refuse to buy it. The bullpen has been holding things down. Like they did a phenomenal job last night. Yes, absolutely. Um, Wish the offense was a little better to make things less stressful. But like, just in terms of, I feel like they've been um, overworked. They haven't surprisingly. There's 22nd in innings pitched, which really surprised me. Um, But everybody's getting injured. That's the other thing. Um, They are fourth in the National League in F4. uh, F4. They have an excellent K-9 rate, even though they have a crap walk rate right now. Um, That's like Diaz, Familia, and Castro, who all like walk too many guys. (laughs) Way too many guys. But like overall, the bullpen for what they've been asked to do have been great. Well, Loop has been a godsend. Yes. Yeah, Aaron Loop. Like, shout out to Aaron Loop. He has been, like, basically, other than, so Edwin Diaz has been, um, I, I I know, again, because I did, I did the first half meters. Edwin Diaz has been the Mets' most valuable reliever by FWAR. Obviously, um, that's because, A, he pitched pretty well in the first half, but also yes. because... Um, he pitches in the highest leverage situations. So by default, even if you, unless you do like completely awful, which he was not, uh, you'll probably accrue more war because you're pitching in high leverage. It makes sense, right? He's pitching in the close games. He has a higher F war. Aaron Loop has the second highest F war in that bullpen. Yeah. Wow. And he him. often has not pitched. I mean, he has pitched in higher leverage more as the season has gone on because he's been really good, but it didn't start out that way. Like he didn't start out being like the eighth inning guy. He has a higher, he has a higher F war than Trevor May. 
who's basically the setup man. So that, that just goes to show, and that's not a knock on Trevor May. Trevor May has been good, but that just goes to show how good Loop has been. Who I mean, is it, their setup man? Is it Luca? Is it May? Or is it Loop? I think it's all of them, really. I think <laughs> yes. it's like setup man by committee, more or less. Yeah. Like, it's just whoever's available because the Mets pitched like so many. They've had so many bullpen games lately, and they've had so many times where they've had guys go multiple innings the day before. So when Loop has pitched two innings yesterday, you can't use him the next day. So that day, Trevor no. May's the setup man. That's basically what they're doing. And I think well, it's even- the right thing to do. Well, even shout out to Fam. Like he was pretty bad last year, and even he's turned it around this year. He had year. a bounce yes. back year this year. Familia, I, I again wrote about I this. I mean, for he's meter. still an adventure, but yeah, he's been he's, he's been not solid completely. Yeah, yeah. basically, if I you mean, look you can, at, again, I don't think you can really count last year again. No. I, it's just everything was so wacky. I was just I was looking at like blown saves and stuff. I completely negated. Um, 2020 out of the equation. I was just comparing this year to this point in 2019, which blown saves have greatly improved this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, between like Edwin Diaz basically blowing every other save in 2019. Um, Oof. but like, but I mean, yeah, 2020 aside, Familia had an awful year in 2020. He was not all that good in 2019 either. But no. it, if you look at his numbers this year, if you look at his year on year numbers, he's not obviously quite his 2015, 2016, like peak Familia self, but he's a lot closer to his 2018 self than he is to his 2019 self. Basically, he yeah. his numbers are almost identical to 2018 Familia. And I'll take that all day long and twice on Sunday. So like- he's doing he's doing a good job jerry's familia has had a good year and i i think that people were talking about this yesterday because when he was pitching in the bullpen game there was a horrible like i think pete like dropped a ball like he basically like lost it in the lights and dropped a pop-up like let a pop-up drop next to him i was listening on the radio at that point so i didn't see the play but um that was when familia was on the mound and people pointed out that like familia's had horrible defense played behind him this year like mm-hmm. for some reason even though the mets defense has has been much improved overall in 2021 compared to years past for some reason familia has had like it seems like a disproportionate amount of like errors committed behind him for some reason like he's given up a lot of honor defensive this year I was gonna say defensive switches, but no, that's no. It should benefit him. I think it's just bad luck. Like it's been really bad luck for Familia. I don't know what it is. Well, because he doesn't really have his like strikeout stuff anymore. I mean, obviously he's still like that pitch yesterday was nasty, but his splitter still flashes like it does, like it did, but it's not consistent. Um, Well, I was gonna say because he still had that that it was what was it a shoulder injury. Several years ago, I mean, I think I, I think that affected him overall. Oh my god, what was that injury? That's going to oh, drive me nuts. Yeah, because it, it was a, shoulder. It was, a, it was a severe injury. That yeah, that was the, it. Like bursitis or um, something. I don't remember. Maybe I'm confusing his injury with somebody else's because Lord knows. No, but it funny. was it was a serious injury to the point where people thought he wasn't going to play again. Right. Right. And I mean, he did have, and worth pointing out, he had an injury this year. Thankfully, it wasn't that serious, yeah. but he came back from a hip impingement, um, which is, you know, you know, something to be said for that. Like for all the, like, it seems like, you know, when you look at the Mets pitchers, all those 27 pitchers that they use this year, you think about the alarming number who they've just like 
used and then were never heard from again. I mean, obviously, Dylan Batanzas is kind of the poster boy for this because he made one parentheses, one appearance. It was never heard from again. Same with Jordan Yamamoto. Like all these dudes like just kept falling off the face of the earth. And then Robert Stock, like that happened too. like he basically appeared in like three games and then was done for the year. Uh, Robert Gisellman um, tore lat out for the year, like all these devastating injuries just like out for the year out for the year out for the year david Peterson. yeah i'm just i am staring at the reliever listen there are so many just joey lucchese joey lucchese out for the year tommy hunter out for the year like all these dudes out for the year but peterson out for the year most likely literally uh, i mean carrasco will change this on friday by being one of the first pitchers to come back from injury but literally the only two dudes who have come back from injury this year on the mets pitching staff are jerry's familia and um and seth lugo that's it was it was drew smith on the CL yes one true yeah. drew smith did start the year on the injured list he had a uh, shoulder soreness oh, or shoulder IL, yeah. inflammation um because he was going to make the team out of camp um, yeah and then he didn't because he got injured um and it was a shame because i mean talk about jerry's familia this has been kind of a banner year for drew smith as well um yeah. drew smith was you know had a long recovery from tommy john's surgery um lost the entire 2019 season to that was you know kind of kicked up and down from the um alternate site in 2020 and never really got like a, a real chance and like didn't really perform all that well and then was was pitching lights out in spring training was definitely going to make the team out of camp and then uh had the shoulder soreness or shoulder inflammation was sidelined for that and then he came back in like may and he's been great for most of the time like he has his days you know um he's a middle reliever he has his days but like he's been really good um oh, so and yeah. oswalt isn't he done for the year too yes Corey oswalt also never heard from again he would be useful oh right the choreos wall would have started this game right here that Absolutely. jared Icock just pitched they're all like pretty much all these dudes that have been out for the year would have been starting Health. this game like you know Yamamoto, who else would have been nice right now chris flexen chris flexen yeah. who's excellent who's nice for the, for the mariners the, the mariners are literally just building their team out of former mets who are good now like chris flexen <laughs> is incredible paul seawald paul seawald how is that possible? literally they're like set up oh. man I was I, so mean to him in the baseball prospectus, and I felt kind of bad about it. But <laughs> I want to know what their pitching development is like. I wrote a short I just relief. Know. I wrote a short relief for baseball prospectus about Paul Seawald. It wasn't mean. It was like a very like fun piece because he like he went so long without a win like it was just like it, oh I mean, that's right yeah yeah it was like a freak thing it was a record like he went the longest um it was like the long the most loss i can't remember it was the most innings without a win or the most like losses before getting a win but it was like a it was a record in mlb history and it was like i wrote all about and i didn't and it wasn't meant to be a negative piece about P- paul seawald it was more like how in order for that particular stat to happen, you have to be like the perfect storm of like good enough to stick in a big league bullpen like all the time, but bad enough to never win games and also be never be in the like high leverage innings where you're often the pitcher of record. Like, cause when you pitch a lot in close games, like Trevor May or Edwin Diaz or, st- or people like that do, you often like lose or win a lot of games 
because you're the pitcher of record because you pitch in a close game and then the Mets will like, you know, it'll be a tie game and the Mets will win the next inning. So you get the win. But like Paul Seawald is at least with the Mets and before his career now, he was not pitching in those situations. So he was never getting wins even when he was pitching well. So it was just like, it was like the perfect storm of reliever who's like good enough to be in a big league bullpen, mediocre enough that you never win and also pitching like not in the right situations. And it was just like an interesting examination for short relief. But I shout out I to just Paul called them. I just called them a plain faced Lego. And that when he's <laughs> in the game, you know, everything is not awesome. <laughs> oh, no. Ouch. Awesome. <laughs> well, Paul Seawald is having his Linda Servich redemption so, season. I was going to say, so he showed me. So maybe cabbage, everything is awesome you. now from the yeah. Lego movie. <laughs> but um, I will um, I will say before we move on from the Mets that. In addition to, I would like one more starting pitcher. They got Rich Hill, so they should get one more. It doesn't seem like Berrios is in the cards, who was the guy I really wanted. Um, but like, I feel, I feel like the the Twins are asking for a lot, probably for him because he has multiple years of team control still. Um, I think it actually may just be one more year after this year. But either way, he's not a rental, so I think the Mets are, you know, the Mets are at least like based on this company line. The Mets are at least putting out there that they're probably not going to pay a premium for a guy who's not a rental um, at this point because they Scherzer's feel Scherzer's out too, and he Scherzer's out yeah. um, because he would refuse a trade to the Mets because um, he has ten five <laughs> rights. Uh, so fine, uh, doesn't want to play in division. That's fine. Um, so that's a thing. And then, but then, so the Mets should target someone else. I mean, like you've got John Gray, for example, like. Any sort of pitcher that's like Rich Hill esque, like that's they should get another one of those more or less. I've been on the view. John Gray bandwagon for like years. I think he would be so good away from Coors. Yes, please go get John Gray. That would be awesome. I would love that. Like you know, that'd be great. They should get a pitcher like that, and then Let's I think, think the they hell? should be. I don't think Katie Ledecky just meddled. Oh, she's sh- like off the podium completely. Oh no. That's not good. Ledecky, what the hell is going on? In the 1500? This was the 200? Okay, I mean, she races like everything, so. Um, Yeah. But she's kind of scaring me. I don't know. Don't like that. Um, I don't like that either. Team USA is just all over the place in all the sports. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know why they're so bad. Uh, She got fifth. Oh, that's rough. Yikes. Yikes. Yee. Um, but I think the Mets should trade for John Gray. I think the Mets should yes. trade for bulk like one more bullpen arm, like high leverage. I like I know that Craig Kimbrell has a lot of suitors, but he would really help the Mets. I know that the like we mentioned, the bullpen's held it down. I'm not saying that the bullpen is, you know, in shambles or a complete no, area of fitness, but, but it's unsustainable what they're doing right now. Yeah. It's unsustainable it's gonna, what they're doing. It's going to implode or someone's going to, people have already gotten hurt. Um, so, and they can't, they can't keep doing this and they shouldn't have to keep doing this. Get some freaking starting pitching, please. Yeah. And like, they, they just need one more arm, like in the circle of trust, in my view, like they're one, <laughs> they're one arm short in the circle of trust. 
which includes like basically Edwin Diaz, Trevor May, Seth Lugo, and like Aaron Loop. And like Castro is maybe like one foot in the circle of trust at this point. He used to be in the circle of trust. He's like coming <laughs> close to being booted out of the circle of trust. And well, then like- Wasn't he okay the other day? He was okay the other day. Yeah. He's like, you know, he's he's been very, again, like kind of Edwin Diaz-y, like very inconsistent in the second half. Um, but so like, I feel, and, and Jerry's familia is like just outside the circle of trust. Like he's kind of there, but not really. They need one more guy firmly in the circle of trust for me to feel okay um and they should get another bat and a guy who can play third base namely chris bryant trevor story <laughs> javi baez marcus simeon one of those one of those guys one more big bat because think about how strong the team will be if they just have one more big bat like yes think about what what cespedes meant to the mets in 2015 we need a guy like that that's like a difference maker that, that they could potentially think about extending afterwards if they want, like they did with Cespedes. That was huge. They should do that again. Do that with yes. Marcus Simeon. Do that with Trevor, Trevor Story. Do that. Although Trevor Story just got hit on the wrist. Was he oh, okay? Oh, no. Crap. I forgot. Hey, oh, Tani hit him yesterday. Also, Javi Baez is injured because he celebrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too hard or something his heel hurts or something because he like did a little uh and trey turner has covid COVID. and they're still that's still and we had played the game uh, that's still is blowing my mind they're still in the middle of that game he was in the game early on yeah it's basically Uh, the justin turner they trey uh, turner pulled the justin turner yep i mean like he didn't know no, but no. well, if they didn't get his test back, why was he playing? Why was you he shouldn't playing? be able to exactly. play until you get your test back. Yeah. And yeah. is that is that the case for all the players where they all tested and we're all waiting for results from them? And I he's have just the one that no idea. turned up positive. That's that's I'm curious about their um well, considering process. how the nationals handled the beginning of the year, nothing surprised <sighs> me with yeah, them. Right. They Seriously. should they should have had to forfeit those games to the Mets. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Um agree. But yeah, I mean, um, so, yeah, I mean, the Mets, like, again, the Mets will probably, probably win the NL East. I know that, like, these division games aren't going so well, but, like, the Mets will probably win the NL East. But that's not enough. They should be looking to, like, build distance, and they should be looking to, like, build an actual playoff contender as opposed to just, like, you squeak in and that's enough. They need to improve. They need – they have some spots to improve, namely – one starting pitcher, one relief pitcher, one hitter that preferably can play third base. Those are the things they need. See, they're 3.5 games ahead at the moment. I am not comfortable with that lead in the slightest. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, that's not a comfortable lead. It's just the teams no. that are chasing them are bad. Yeah. Like, awful. Because I, mean, I, just, I just remember we were, I think, three games back around this time um, behind the Nationals. And then and the Nationals came in and we swept them. And that's yeah. that's kind of how that turned around pretty quickly. So yeah, I mean, the, one series can flip this. Yeah, they can find themselves in a not so good position very quickly if they don't watch their back. Um, I mean, not that I'm scared of any of the teams. It, I mean, it's been interesting because like every time a team rises to be like, you know, the team that's three games behind the Mets and then the rest of the NL East is like five games behind, that team just gets beat like three games in a row and then they fall back down. Like right now the Phillies are the ones that are like, closest to the Mets but then the Nationals are or I don't know if that game is still happening but the Nationals were like kicking their butt 
Yeah, it's six four in that game right now. Oh, six, I believe four. it's. I believe it is the yeah. It's the bottom of the eighth now. Okay. Um, well, they have COVID issues too. They yeah. do. That's correct. Um, Aaron Nola they, they're is barely back, vaccinated. But, yep. I mean, the Phillies are another team. Um, like the Mets that have very publicly been at least, I mean, at least the Mets haven't had an outbreak, but I'm still waiting for that shoe to drop. Well, by the way. and what's yeah. stupid too is Aaron Nola either had COVID or was exposed to COVID and was like, oh, still not getting vaxxed. It's like, uh, you yeah. just had to sit out time because you were exposed. Like, and you're like, nah. Like, way to just like straight up admit that you don't give a shit about yep. like your team. Your team. Yep. Cool. That's cool. Just saying that publicly. Cool, cool. Very good. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, cool, cool, cool. Speaking of the Phillies and like laughing at the Phillies, um, <laughs> Tyler, the Phillies <laughs> traded for Tyler Anderson and then they didn't. It's like the next like Wilmer Flores, Carlos Gomez trade thing. Um, like the Phillies, it was all reported in, in on Twitter by like all the big like Rosenthal pass and like all the guys were saying, you know, the Phillies have traded Tyler. It's uh, happening. Phillies have traded these two prospects for Tyler Anderson, who's um, a pitcher on the uh, Pirates and he was due to start for the pirates that night. And so he was going to start instead for the Phillies tonight. Um, but then all of a sudden there was a tweet, Tyler Anderson's here in uniform in Pittsburgh, throwing in the bullpen. And it's like, Oh really? And then all of a sudden it was like, um, the trade has not happened. It was like, okay. Apparently there were medical issues with like one of the players that was going to Pittsburgh. And so they nixed the trade unclear whether like it will go through eventually. And like, they'll just pick a different player to trade. Um, but it's still funny and we can still laugh about it in the interim (laughs) because it's funny. (laughs) But there haven't been a ton of deals yet. Basically, the major ones, and there's one that happened since I wrote the show notes, uh, which that one's kind of weird. It's kind of like how the Rays, like Rich Hill deal, like I don't understand what you're doing, but you're like a weird GM playing 4D chess, I think. The the Mariners traded their, like – traded their best reliever, Kendall Graveman, and one other player to the A's – what did they trade to for like other relief pitchers, like different ones who aren't as good. One of them was Joe Smith um, Astros Astros. That's it was Joe Smith is the return. That's right. Astros um, Joe Smith is like not as good. And they got back another player. It's like, it, it's like a weird, like, Oh, we're going to make the team like slightly worse and trade our best reliever, but like also get a prospect. It's a very weird trade for a team that's trying to make a run as the Mariners are. Wait, wasn't Montero in the trade? Montero too? was the other player in the trade. That's right. On the Mariners <laughs> side. So it was you know, Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero for like Joe Smith and then like another player from the Astros. So like very weird trade that I don't understand. And um, very Metsy too. Very former Metsy. Former Metsy. Um and then, but the um, the major trades aside from that one have been uh, Nelson Cruz um, got traded to the Re- uh, to the Rays, um, which is pretty fun. Um, Adam Frazier got traded from the Pirates to the Padres, um, and Andrew Chafin got traded from the Cubs to the A's. So those are the trades so far. There's probably going to be a lot more of them in the coming days. Um, when Trey Turner left the game, everyone thought he was traded because the Nationals have like publicly advertised that everyone besides Soto is up for discussion. Uh, but there were no hugs. But then there were no hugs. Well, you can't hug Turner. (laughs) Yeah. What's the opposite of a hug watch? Like social distancing watch? (laughs) A runaway watch. (laughs) Um, 
So run away, yeah. run away. Sorry. I have money. Well, also, they on said my they mind. weren't working out an extension with Turner either. Right. They said that they like basically they've been trying to negotiate with him, but they're not, they're clearly not meeting his number that he wants. Probably because um, he doesn't want deferred money. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So it, it's kind of a very similar to a Francisco Lindor situation where it's like very clear that the, like the team is like the team would like to keep him, but they'd like to lowball him and keep him. And he has no interest in that. And so he's probably going to be traded um, if not this year, then next. Um, so, yeah, that is the trading deadline right now. Um, we will by the time we podcast next, hopefully there will be new Mets on the Mets. Um, but in the meantime, um, we should cover, we alluded this to, uh, uh, we alluded to this a little bit throughout the show. Obviously the Olympics are going on. We talked about this last week a little bit with like the COVID issues surrounding the Olympics, but there have been other things that have come up as a result of the Olympics, namely Simone Biles dropped out of the team competition, um, in the gymnastics competition, um, because of mental health reasons. Um, and it kind of harkens back to a lot of stuff we've already talked about on this podcast by respecting athletes as people and, you know, respecting their mental health. And when we talked about Naomi Osaka, we've talked about this with Matt Harvey. Um, you know, there's a lot of examples of, you know, denying athletes, their humanity and, you know, Simone Biles had, doesn't have to like, she has nothing to prove to anyone. She's no. the greatest no. that there is. She's insane, insanely amazing. And she should put herself first. Exactly. And I applaud her for doing so on such a big stage because she was like, you know what? This is really like, basically this is really fucking hard. And mm-hmm. I like, you know, I'm, I'm sick of like putting my body through absolute hell. And I, I think not enough people not enough people are talking about the fact it's not just like, Oh, the pressure. Oh, the biggest stage, the spotlight, all of those things, obviously wear on one's mental health, but we have not talked about the fact enough that she is a sexual assault survivor Mm -hmm. and has been the face of that, of that scandal. She has had her bodily autonomy violated in the name of her sport. And she's still asked to go out there and compete at the highest level and break and her does. body down and do so. And she has done so. She has done so passing kidney stones. She has done so with broken bones in her feet and toes. She's done everything. She's laid everything out on the line. And so and they put, anyone. And, it's, and Team USA has put the majority of the pressure on her. Yeah. More so this year than the rest of the team. Like right. she was expected to carry the load of Team USA. Right. And so for Oof. anyone to say she can't handle the pressure or to disparage her for doing this is absolutely ludicrous. Absolutely well, ludicrous. I made the mistake of listening to Michael K driving home. So I'm just oh, like, Linda. Christ, Linda. Linda. <laughs> I was just looking through and like he was screaming about Simone Biles, literally screaming about Simone Biles because she let her teammates down. Oh, give and me a break. Brady would never do that. Or if Brady, Brady? Jeter, Jesus, kindly that, they fuck would off, Michael K. And I was like, first of all, Brady, Jeter, and A-Rod were never sexually assaulted. Huh. Second of all, they were never came out and said they had to be the face of sexual assault because they needed to keep the attention on it so that things would change by their sport. She, she not, literally not said on. she came back this year to keep the attention on. Yep. So they just, they just have to deal with that as well. And you're saying they're screaming about her. 
I mean, well, she's she's also a woman and she's also a black woman, yeah, too. So, and they're like, uh, oh, we're called bad people if we call her out. Yeah, you are a bad person. Yeah, you're a very shitty person, literally, because you are. And they were offended. They they like, oh, how dare you call me a bad person? I think we can discuss this. No, you can't. You're a man who's never been sexually assaulted, so you literally cannot discuss it. Also, you don't have an iota of talent in your pinky fingernail than she does. She's she is so athletic and so amazing and so impressive and. Yeah, I'm sure, she, I'm sure Simone Biles is crying herself to sleep at night because she can't prove herself to you. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that really I'm sure that's really what's upsetting her here. Um, well, they're like, how dare she? Like, if it was an individual sport, then maybe. But she let her team down. That's not her fault. No. The team USA put too much pressure on her. Like and she like literally the the and we kind of touched on this last week, but like literally she is inventing new moves that they're not letting mm-hmm. her use because she's too good. Too like that good. is, yep. that is the level that we're at is that they don't they're even know how to putting, judge her. They're both putting pressure on her and holding her back. They are literally yeah. holding her back by not letting her reach her full potential and then expecting her to just show up and be great as if it's that easy. Like it's, and like, so I, I and you t- can even clearly tell something was off night one. Like she wasn't, she wasn't her best and she does these ridiculous moves like she could break her neck mm-hmm. if she like lands on the vault wrong or like falls off the the par- the uneven bars like she does these really really hard stuff so she's not behind it 100% she's really risking her life yep Tom Brady is not risking his life. So, well, actually, he is because they're uh, CTE. CTE. Yeah. But, but the quarterback is doesn't not get his the quarterback life. doesn't if, take the hits as much. If the rest of the team is doing its job, the quarterback yes. doesn't get hit that hard all hit that, that often. Much, yeah. Also, um, he's got all of, like the special medical weird jackets and weird treatments, and uh, he's well, he's uh, afraid of strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like really. I guarantee like, you Simone Biles isn't afraid of strong. Yeah, seriously. Like, like, okay, this wouldn't happen to Tom Brady. It's like, well, I guarantee that Simone Biles is not afraid of strawberries, like the great Tom Brady. Also, Simone Biles is so much more athletic than I know you can't compare sports, but she's so much more athletic than she Tom is. Brady. Good oh job. my god, there's no comparison. Like, no. like who's the goat of Simone Biles? Yeah. Without question. Without yeah. question. And this doesn't change that at all. No. Um, and I mean, like, don't, don't, oh, I was going to say, don't say, oh, she deserves this mental health break. She's earned this mel- mental health break. No, it's not about deserving it. It's not about earning it. She needs to put herself first, no matter what. Yeah. If, if, if it's her mental health, if it's choosing between her mental health and winning a gold medal, it's mental health every single time oh, without yeah. a doubt. hundred percent. It's and so so many athletes don't feel that way. It's just well, even one of my Twitter followers pointed out to me that CC Zabhevia walked away in the playoffs to check himself into rehab. Yeah, yep. And everybody praised him. So why is that the right decision? But Simone Biles, it's like it clearly was. CC clearly needed. That's what he needed to do, and good for him for recognizing that. So you know, he got praised for it, but now everybody's killing Simone. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, a I, ridiculous. I won't lie standard. on 
maybe it's just me and I'm, I've limited myself to people that are very supportive her, of her. But on Twitter, to me, the general tenor is they're very supportive of her. They're applauding the fact that she's putting her mental health first. Um, again, that's just Twitter limited to what I've seen. I might be just looking at a very limited scope of things. So, but I could, I imagine the sports analysts are going bananas in a bad way. Yeah. I mean, like, I won't well, I like mean, Michael K. I won't even yeah. mention I won't even mention the people by name that I've seen tweet like shitty tweets from because they don't deserve any attention. But I'll, I've seen shitty tweets from prominent Ugh. people about this. I'll just say. Um, but I think that part of this is that and I think that like we all need to evaluate our guilt in this because like it goes back to canonizing Carrie Strug for what for her performance and her like literally injuring herself like permanently you know go Mm. go, like putting her body through grievous harm in order to win a medal and that was like universally like she was considered a hero and like you know like I was a kid during that Olympics and like she was looked up looked up to by little girls like me like she was our hero for doing that and I think we need to seriously reassess that as a society like considering Mm -hmm. people heroes who put their bodies through these awful the awful ringer that it takes to do this and like you know literally this year we've witnessed it like who was a greater cult hero on the Mets than Kevin Pillar for taking a ball to the face and coming back soon from it like I'm not saying that like he doesn't deserve like credit for you know pushing through but like i think we need to i don't know we just need to think about how much we canonize people for for you know literally destroying their bodies for our entertainment yes is all i will and how much pressure like we we look at it through a fan perspective there's probably so much pressure behind the scenes as well um like we said again that's just speculation though yeah, we don't know what somebody's going through on a no. day-to-day basis. Like, like we didn't know, like, Larry Nasser, what these, like, they Ugh. put on happy faces. They went out and won the gold medal. You would never know. But they were in hell the whole time. Mm-hmm. So you just, you don't know. And you can't judge them when they walk away. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I tweeted about this this morning and, I think it's it's a little bit of a different dynamic between like the difference between Simone Biles and the U.S. women's national soccer team, for example. But like the U.S. women's national soccer team has they have they have advanced to the elimination round um, at the Olympics. Oh, um, but but they have not performed to the level that people are used to seeing from them. We'll just put it that way. They lost their opening match, shocking defeat, like got totally like whipped by Sweden, three, nothing. And then they won the second game very convincingly against uh, New Zealand. One of the weaker, you know, teams in the tournament, they beat them pretty handily. And then, you know, against Australia, they tied zero, zero. And they, because like a lot of the way the the format, uh, the, tournament is formatted a lot of teams advance so they they managed to advance on that because of the goal differential that they built up against New Zealand so managed to advance by the skin of their teeth and I admit that like my reaction to this has been immense frustration but I need to check myself because again this is just expecting them to be great all the time because that's what you're used to mm-hmm. like the u.s women's national team has been the best so- the best women's soccer team in the world for many years now they have been utterly dominant but we can't just 
expect that every time. Like these are human beings. These are human beings who like, you know, deal with all sorts of crap that we don't know about. And they can't always perform up to their optimal standards every single time. So, you know, I need to, I need to wonder no. why I saw the news about Simone and, and immediately felt empathy for her and gave her grace for, you know, doing what she needed to do, but then did not extend that same grace toward other athletes. We should be, you know, extending that grace whenever we can, because in the end, it's just, they are doing this for our entertainment and we should stop canonizing, like gritting through and like all that stuff, rubbing dirt in it, which has been baseball culture for all of eternity. <laughs> so Ugh. um it's just it uh, it's just it i don't even know it harkens back and it doesn't have anything to do with injury but to me it harkens back when wilmer flores was and wasn't traded he was hearing about that from the fans and you just saw the outpouring of emotion and you usually um you usually don't see that outpouring of emotion in public it's only behind the scenes yeah yeah um but yeah um we will we will return to this topic i'm sure because it will keep coming up um but in the meantime, we will end the show like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Kellyanne Healy, what is your walk-off win for this week? Getting my Tyler McGill t-shirt t- today. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Keeping it simple. I was very excited to get that t-shirt today. I'm going to wear it tomorrow. I'm just stoked about that. I mean, there are other things, but that was like the primary thing that happened today, so... And it made me really happy. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Linda Surovich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Uh, my walk-off win is I was away for the weekend in Woo! the Poconos. Yay! Um, I went with my friends. We, it was just a short little little getaway um, from Friday to, to Sunday. A brief um, sojourn. Yes. Yes. I was trying Um, to like make it in a pretty accent and I failed. (laughs) (laughs) And it was really nice not having a cat wake me up at 5 (laughs) a.m. But this Airbnb was absolutely incredible. Like this host was amazing. Like the place was immaculate. Like we kept saying, like, I don't want to touch anything because it's so clean. Um, like she didn't have bugs. Like you're out in the middle of the woods and you don't have like there was not a single like bug. There was not a single speck of dust. There, like that's she, incredible. She baked us cookies. She left us cookies. She left us a bottle of wine, a fridge full of water. How nice. She put little chocolates on the nightstands. Wow. Like she left us a little like thank you note for staying there. And she was hoping we had a good time. Then she had a whole folder full of like restaurants and like places she recommended to eat and like wow. things to do. Like she was legit and like the place was really really cute like we were right in the mountains um we were right by a lake where you stayed in a place called lake harmony um and we were out to eat me and my friend were out to eat and like i saw her face just like go white and we were eating outside and then all of a sudden she just goes bear 
bear, 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 bear. <laughs> I'm like, what bear? By the time I turned around, like he was gone, but apparently a bear just like came out of the woods and crossed the street. <laughs> like that's the thing that just happens. Um, so, but you know, I mean, even though it was a brief sojourn, <laughs> <laughs> it, it just it felt really good to get away and like sit by the pool and it was like really super quiet. And I had a break from the meds. <laughs> oh, God. We all need that every once in a while. We all do. You need a bread meds break. And like, these were friends that I hadn't seen. Like, you know, I used to hang out with them all the time. And now, you know, that just. And now pandemic. Just, yeah. Like it just didn't really happen. So it was nice to just spend a full weekend, even if it was just like watching the Olympics. But they had this beautiful screened in porch and they had a TV out there. And it was just it was like. Yeah, it's so nice. Where like, can we just like live out here? I would live out there. Um, so yeah, that was my and I highly recommend like getting away even for a weekend. Like it really does wonders. Like I, I've been kind of annoyed at how much money I've been spending this summer, but at this point, treat yourself exactly. Oh, you After to, not you doing any Parks and Rec, Ugh. yeah, I do. I did buy the children's book of Parks and Rec. I don't know if you saw my tweet. I did not. There's a picture book of Parks and Rec Wait, in the office, and I maybe both of them. maybe I did see this. Was it recent? Like yes. within the last week? Yes, because I was cataloging it. Okay, so I didn't see it. Yes, so yeah, there's a picture book of Parks and Rec in the office, so I bought both of them. Did you get the Strange Planet book? I think that's in my cart. Oh my gosh, because it's, it's amazing. Okay, I it's wonderful tomorrow because we're in the middle of switching because who we're ordering from. So everything's just kind of a mess because I have to keep switching back and forth and transferring everything. So there is a chance I overlooked it. Um, but, but get yeah. it. Yeah. But no. Oh, so that's my other walkover. And it's really cute picture books that they're <laughs> from like 90s stuff. Like they turned Buffy into a picture book. They turned yes. Clueless into a picture book. Ugh. I think they turned the X-Files into a picture book. And now Parks and Rec in the office. I have to like look at all these books because I know about Parks and Rec and obviously Strange Planet. But I didn't know about all these other ones. Oh, they're so uh, good. Uh, uh. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. So, all right. I, those are my walk-off wins. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, my walk-off win for this week comes from an email from a listener. Um, Ooh, so, oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. So yes. we got a lovely email last week um, from an artist named Elise Dodolis. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Elise. I'm really sorry if I'm not. Uh, Dodellis? Um, but we got um, an email from Elise, um, and she's an artist, um, and she wanted to let us know about her work. Um, and said that our podcast inspired her to go for this grant that is currently funding her project, which is amazing, first of all. That is like, so incredible. awesome. I can't even put into words how happy that makes me that the podcast inspired you to do this work. Like, that makes me so happy. Um, but yeah, she's currently working on a project with the support of the Russell uh, J. Uh, Ephros Foundation, um, which is basically um, focused on their foundation is focused on um, like inclusion and diversity um, and like, you know, paintings of, um, 
you know, non-traditional type of projects focused on often neglected subjects. And so her grant is all about painting a series of paintings of women in baseball, which is like freaking awesome. And she sent me the press release of her, uh, of like, you know, the, the grant and also of like some photos of like her art. And she's an incredible artist. And I'm just so excited that she's doing this project and I can't wait to see how it turns out. So just shout out to Elise. Like what awesome work. Like our listeners are so cool. You guys like, Oh yes. my God. We have, oh the my. Best listeners. we have the best listeners and thank you for listening. And we're so thrilled that like we can inspire you. And for reaching I, out I, too. Like that seriously yes, made reach- our day. Yes. Um, so you but just should- to just to see just to see the good that's coming from this as well. Keep it up, you guys. <laughs> Absolutely, keep it up, and you should follow her um, on Instagram. Um, she and I will post in like you, you know the show post and the tweets for this episode. Um, but she is at e uh, Dodolis. I'm sorry again if I'm pronouncing that wrong. You can correct me, but it's at e d o d e l e s. You should follow her on Instagram and um, and all the other social medias. Uh, but I will post her Instagram on uh, on the show notes and such, so that y'all can follow her because she's great. Um, and I'm very excited to see how this project turns out. Um, so yeah, awesome! Shout out to Elise. That's my walk off win because it was great <laughs> and it made my whole week. Yeah, that's really freaking cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, that does it for the show this week. Um, you uh, should check out amazingavenue.com. Every single freaking trade rumor that involves the Mets over the next couple <laughs> days, we will be on top all of the that rumors. For you. All the rumors, all the rumors, all the time. Also, your regular, you know, game recaps, uh, all that, all the analysis, morning news posts every morning, all that good stuff. Um, you can follow Mason Avenue on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, you can follow this show on Twitter at a pot of their own. You can also email this show own at gmail.com. We love hearing messages like from Elise. So please reach out to us. Um, you can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Kellyanne? I am at LRB. E-L-L-A-R-E. B-E-E. Please subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app of choice and rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro uh, music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in time.